Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Today, though, um, we are in a, a kind of a follow-up or a continuation of what we have been walking through in the church in the beginning days of this month, um, or this year. Uh, before, uh, again, before the new year, we put in front of us this plan of praying and fasting as we began the new year for revival and renewal and restoration in January, or, or the new year, sort of marks, um, it, it marks a, a new push. Many of us have resolutions. Many of us will, will think about, oh, this year I'm going to accomplish this. And, and really it's, um, sorry to burst your ball, it's kind of a fake thing that we've made up to, to move toward. But it is a mark on the calendar that is helpful for us. There's nothing magical about it, but we often arrange and rearrange our lives based on the calendar and so it seemed right for us as we considered a new year it seemed right for us as a church to take some time to just think about prayer how do we move toward God in prayer we want to be a church that's praying we want to be a, a praying church together and so when I began thinking about leading us in, in some teaching on prayer I had this plan to spend a few weeks of walking slowly through the Lord's Prayer, and I know we've just walked through that in the Sermon on the Mount, but my plan was to look at the Lord's Prayer and see how Jesus taught us to pray, acknowledging together how God is sovereignly active over, over all things, and so we approach Him in that way, that His kingdom is coming, and that, that His will is going to be done, and that He's sovereignly active over our provision. He gives us daily bread, and He's sovereignly active over our um, uh, forgiving us, and He calls us to forgive others as well. And so that was the, the, the hope. But as we gathered here on the 31st of December, and we broke up into smaller circles around this room to pray, I began to look out and see the ways that people were praying and, and, and knowing the, the ways that different people um, have walked through a lot of things over the last several months and, and couple years, uh, I think the Spirit put um, something on my heart that rearranged all of that in, in my mind and my heart. And that was those two verses, at least at the end of that Ephesians passage, passage that we walked through last week. I felt the Spirit nudging me toward that, that God is able to do far more abundantly than anything we ask or think. And I wanted to move us in that direction as we began thinking about prayer. So many of you have had hard things and beautiful things this last year. And so as that came to mind, I jotted a note down in my phone and thought, we're going to learn from Paul about how to approach God in prayer in that way. And what we saw last week was what seems like Paul's concern for his friends in Ephesus to be growing in their faith to be strengthened internally, spiritually, to be growing in their comprehension of God's love for them, to be filled with the fullness of God. The prayers we saw last week from Paul that we were learning about were spiritual in nature. So yeah, we're moving toward prayer, but, but I wanted to challenge us in praying that God would be at work in us internally, spiritually, that he'd be growing us up. 
Because so often we approach prayer in, in this way. We, we pray through the physical, tangible, visible realities that we're walking through. And we want to move toward God in, in prayer in those ways. For healing, for provision, for relationships restored, things like that. And we ought to be praying for those things because God cares for us. And he knows our need before we ask. And so we ought to be bringing those things before him uh, as well. But what if healing doesn't happen? And what if provision is not there? And what if broken relationships continue to exist? Our understanding of God is still able to increase more and more as the Spirit is growing our affections for him. And we want to be marked as a church of prayer. We want to be growing in our understanding of our, and our affections for God to be growing. And that growth can happen. Listen to this, please. That growth can happen no matter what our circumstances are, right? So not that those things are unimportant. We want to continue to be praying for those things, but we want to be praying that God would fill us that the Spirit would be present, that, that our, our comprehension of the love of God would be increasing, that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. So that's where our direction went. Now, I understand a, a few things, which is why I rearranged again for this weekend and moving this direction. This is why I hate topical preaching, by the way, is I have to figure out where God's leading me each week. Whereas we're going through First and Second Samuel, guess where we're going? Chapter 1. Here we go. But anyway, um, I, I, I began thinking this week as I got some feedback from some of you last week about the confusion of prayer. It's hard sometimes. It's confusing to sit in a place of offering up prayers to God and not really feeling like he's answering not really experiencing um, his uh, nearness to us, what seems like some silence from God. It's challenging at times to pray, and I heard that from some of you, and, and listen, I'm, I'm not just saying, hey, because of you, I've experienced that. It's been my experience the last few years especially. It's been challenging for me to approach God in prayer. Honestly, and, and more specifically, these past few years have been challenging for me to continue to pray, I would say it this way, because of our life's circumstances, because of what we have walked through as a family. So praying for the physical healing of our son, Ezra, and one of my best friends, and not seeing God answer our prayers for healing has been extremely difficult, as you can imagine, and also as you have experienced yourself, yourself in, in many ways. Prayer and God's will in it and the way in which God answers and what seems like silence from God when we pray and all of that is at times really confusing. It's really challenging. So this morning, I want to walk through some of that confusion. Just get it out there. 
just put it out in front of us and say, hey, it's confusing, isn't it, sometimes when we offer up prayers and we don't know what's going on and we don't get a direct link back from God about where, where things are going. It's confusing at times. It's hard to keep moving in a direction of growing in prayer when we, we seem to get not much response. It's hard. Just put, put that out there, acknowledge it, and say, yeah, it, it's challenging. It's confusing. So I want to consider this morning some of the ways we often sense God responding when we pray. That it's confusing, that it's hard, and as we move through this month of devoted prayer and fasting, I want us to be real with how we sense God responding. Can we commit to that? That if we're praying together in this month, in this year, we think, I've been praying and I don't, I don't sense God responding. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Can we, just, can we speak that? Can we not just hold that in and say, oh yeah, doing great, doing well, thanks for asking, praying, loving God. Just say, no, I don't know, I'm, I'm praying and I don't sense a whole lot. I'm going to be real with that, that it's confusing at times and, and we, it can cause us to have questions. That's where I've been over the last few years. And I've said this recently, by God's grace, I don't find, this is, I say that, don't, don't pass over that. By God's grace in my life, I don't find myself in a place of questioning God questioning his character, questioning his um, love for me, questioning whether or not he's over all things. I don't find myself questioning God, questioning that he's able to heal, the truth that God's able to do far more abundantly than anything we can ask or think. I, I don't find myself questioning that. It's not something I question. I'm not questioning God by God's grace, but I do have questions for him. Subtle difference, but do you hear it? I'm not questioning his character, but I do have some questions. I find myself asking questions of him. And, and one of the questions that, that often comes to mind for me as I've, I've thought through how I've asked questions of God is the question, why? You found yourself there? You trust God? Big picture, you trust God. But there are some confusing things about the things that he's doing, and you have the question for him, why? Lots of ways that we could work through that. You have your own story. Maybe it's something like, what, why has this relationship gone this way, God? It, it seemed like a relationship that was honoring to you. It seemed healthy, like a healthy piece of companionship for me. Now it's over. Why, God? Or why has this illness removed me from something I thought you had for me, God? I, I thought I would be able to serve you for years and years and years in this way, and now this is my lot? Why? Or why was I let go from this job? It was a job I loved. I felt like I could use the skills that you've given me. I was able to make enough to be generous in, in what I thought would honor you. Why? Why did this accident happen? It left me fearful of what might happen again. It left me physically unable to do what I was once able to do. God, why? Or, or why would you give me this pregnancy only to end it short and losing the child that we've longed to have? Why? Why? 
God, why do I continue to have anxiety in my head? I know what's true about God. I've done what the doctors and the professionals have encouraged me to do. I've tried medication. I've tried diet changes, but I continue to struggle with anxiety, God, and I'm doing the things that I feel like are right. Why? Or why has this person I loved so much walked away from what seemed like a robust faith in Jesus? And why are they resistant to hearing about your love for them? And why are they in a place now where they even doubt your existence is there? Why? And whatever your story is there, we come to this place of asking the question, why, God? For me, I'm not in a place of questioning God, his character, his love for me, or even ultimately that he's sovereign over everything, but I have gotten to a place where I've asked the question, why? Why did our son have to have cancer in the first place? Why did he have to battle months and months of torturous treatment? Why do you have to miss his senior year? Why did he successfully go through a bone marrow transplant only to relapse six months later and have to go through treatment again only to be able, uh, only to be in a place of not being able to make it through treatment? Why a year and a half of living separate uh, from, from family spread all over the place going through um, excruciating things with Ezra, trauma and the heartaches of Ezra's battle as well as the mental and emotional in spiritual battle, why all of that? Only to watch Ezra die. Why? So I've gotten to, to a place of asking the question, why? Not questioning God and his character, just asking some questions of God. If you've asked questions of God like that, can I encourage my own heart and yours that we are not alone? There are many godly men and women in Scripture who have asked the question, why? I'd like to encourage us to say, I don't know that it's always wrong to ask the question, why? Now, our hearts may move in the wrong direction where we question God because we doubt his character. Or we want to corner him back into some place and say, how could you? That sort of thing. But if our hearts are in a place of just saying, God, uh, uh, why? Why? We so, see so many people asking the question, why, throughout Scripture. Moses asks in Numbers 11, why have you dealt with, uh, ill with your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? David, Psalm 10, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why are you so far, or why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 22, David says again, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Habakkuk the prophet says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? And Job asks, why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? And Jesus himself 
from the cross, quotes David from Psalm 22 and asks, God, his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The question why comes up a lot in scripture. Work through this with me. Moses was a man chosen by God to lead God's people to the promised land. And he's asking why. David was called a man after God's own heart. And throughout the Psalms, he's asking why. Habakkuk, a a prophet used by God to reform God's people, is asking the question why. Job, it's said of Job that there was no one more righteous on the face of the earth than Job. And he's asking the question, why? Jesus, who's God, the Son of God, the beloved Son with whom God is well pleased. And we we could go on and on throughout Scripture and see people who have asked the question of God, why? So it may not be simple to ask the question why, but from the examples we've listed and also from our own experiences, the question why is often met with silence. It's not that God is abandoning us. It's not that God is cruel to not answer. I had someone tell me once, this was years ago, when I was saying, I just want to know why God did this. They responded so wisely and said, I'm not sure if you really actually want to know why God is doing this. It may be that we wouldn't be able to comprehend the answer, right? It it may be that we wouldn't um, be able to bear the reason that God has for acting in the way that he acted. In God's kindness, is it that he's withholding from us information that we wouldn't be able to grasp, wouldn't be able to bear as humans? It may be that it's not right, uh, the right time for us to know the answer to why. It may be that the answer to the question why is not ours to have. We see Job finally at the end doing what? Covering his mouth in silence and says, I'll listen And I know many of you are in seasons where you have questions for God about why certain things have happened in the ways that they have happened. And I've been there. Pause, present tense. I am there. And here's what I'm learning along the way and maybe um, what you could be learning as well. What we could learn together. While it's not wrong to bring our questions to God, I wonder if the question why and the seeming silence from God it receives is actually producing in us a discontent. I wonder if the the question why that we're we're offering up to God and, and the seeming silence that it often produces or comes back with is producing in us a lack of trust. The unanswered why question can be discouraging. Listen, if we must have answers. It's okay to approach God and say, God, why? If we must have answers, it may get discouraging in the seeming silence that we we receive. Friends, this series is meant to help us look at prayer, the command 
to pray. We've called it when we pray. That was actually several weeks ago when I thought we were going a different direction. But the assumption from Jesus when he talks to his disciples is that they are praying. And so he says, when you pray, pray like this. When you fast, fast in these ways. When you pray, this is how it it should be. It's good for us to ask questions of God. It's good to ask God, request from God um, uh, things because he hears us and he cares for us and he knows what we need before we ask. But I want to challenge us this morning, and this is where we'll take our, our look at prayer this morning. I want to challenge us to consider how our requests of God and are waiting on him, even in the moments of seeming silence, are shaping us to trust him more and more. I'll say that again. I want to challenge us, my own heart included, I want to challenge us to consider how our requests of God and our then waiting on him to respond, even in the moments of seeming silence, are shaping us to trust him more and more and more. And to lead us in that direction, I want, to see, uh, I want us to see the prayers of, of two people in the New Testament, just very briefly. So if you have your Bible warming your lap, um, I, I want to learn from two people in Scripture and their requests of God, listen, not being answered. And what we can learn, at least, at least as we see it from our perspective, not being answered. The first prayer I want us to see is from Paul. And so if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament, which is the back half of your Bible. It's in that group of letters written to the churches. You start with the Romans, you get to First and 2 Corinthians. If you get to Galatians, come back the other way. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In that, Paul is talking about his desire to be humble his desire to not boast, which Paul could. He had, a, he had a resume. He doesn't want to be conceited. Rather, he wants to boast in his weakness, so he's walking through all of that. If he boasts at all, I want to boast in my weakness, he says. Chapter 12, look at verse 7. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, revelations he talked about earlier in chapter 12, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's what we see from Paul, I think, from the very beginning. When God answers, his power is revealed. I'll work through that. When God answers, however he answers, if it's yes, no, wait, not yet. When God answers, his power is revealed. We don't know what Paul's facing. He doesn't tell us. He doesn't give us the exact thing. Some ailment, some pain, some injury was given to Paul. Can I ask a question? Given to him by whom? 
Somebody say it. It's okay. You won't get struck by lightning. God. Some ailment was given to Paul. And we're told three times over, Paul pleaded with the Lord to remove this pain. I think a couple things we learn just in that. First, we learn from Paul that our prayers can be desperate, can be pleading. It's okay. Plead with God. There's desperation there. I think we learned that. And the second thing we learned from Paul in that prayer is that it was consistent, it was regular, it was repeated, it was on and on and on. Paul prayed once that his ailment would be removed. Was it? Clearly it wasn't, or he wouldn't have prayed again, and he did. And he prayed again. Was it removed? Wasn't. It wouldn't. Uh, clearly it wasn't because Paul prayed uh, again. So what does Paul do? He pleads with God over and over and over. And I think it shows us that Paul knew his lack of ability to bring healing to himself no matter what he tried. Paul knew his total dependency on God. God was the one he must go to with that request. I have nowhere else to go. I'm going to plead with you, God, over and over. And many of you have battled the same things over and over and over again. Can I tell you, friends, can I encourage you, don't give up on that prayer. Don't quit praying in that direction. Keep pleading with God over and over and over. Don't get to a point where you're like, well, I guess this is my lot. I'll just live it out. Keep pleading with God. We don't know when or how God will answer, but in our regular pleading with him, we're communicating our utter dependence on him. I get the privilege every Sunday to, to invite you all to come up here and, and pray, and the one or two of you who take us up on that, I get to pray with you. And, and over and over what I say is, hey, this is going to be ongoing. Something in your life that, that's going to have some, some residual here and, and ongoing. Don't think this is the only time that you can come up here for prayer. Come up every week if that's what it takes. We'll keep pleading with God. There's a total dependency in God when we continue to ask him over and over and over. We learn this from Paul. God may have been silent in Paul's first request. Paul may have been, or God may have been silent in Paul's second request. But on the third request, Paul, uh, God responds to Paul. God responds to Paul in his request. But I, we've got to see this. He doesn't say, God does not say, so be it, you're healed. You did it three times, now I'll answer. That's not what he says. Rather, God says, even in the middle of all of that, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness, Paul. As I respond to your request, my power is revealed and not just revealed, it's made perfect, it's shown complete, it's fullness is there. When God answers, it may be yes, it may be wait, it may be not yet, it may be no. When God answers, his power is revealed. His power may be revealed, I want us to hear this, his power may be revealed in continuing to allow us to live in our weaknesses. That's how his power might be revealed, to continue to allow you to live in your weaknesses so that his grace is seen as sufficient. Are you okay with that? Are you in a place in life where that's okay? It's not the answer to prayer that we desire in the moment of trial, is it? We don't often go to God in, in, in prayer with our requests in the moment of trial and hope that God responds, deal with it, I'm walking with you. We want an answer. 
We want a response. We want God to respond in the ways that we're asking of him to to respond. It's not the answer we want, but it's absolutely changing us, transforming us, growing us in our understanding of and affections for God. Our knowing uh, our own frailty and weakness is highlighting the power and the strength and ability of God that his grace uh, for us is sufficient to pull us through even our weaknesses through the valleys of this life. His grace is sufficient. So we just acknowledge that. God, your grace is sufficient. When God answers, his power is revealed. Friends, can I ask us of uh, this? How could this perspective of prayer, Paul's perspective that we learn here from God's response, how could that perspective be changing us as a church in the coming year? What if we as a church moved forward in prayer, making big requests of God, of course, over and over and over making big requests of God. Things that he could only, only work out. What if we moved into prayer trusting that whatever it is we're walking through is actually causing us to see the power of God more and more? What if we landed there? I'm going to keep praying this, God, but I'm also going to trust that what you're working me through, walking me through, is changing me to see more of you and more of your power. And in all of that, we need one another. We we need the church family around us. We need people to stand beside us and pray these things with us and for us. be able to say to your friend, hey, when God answers, no matter how he answers, yes, no, not yet, maybe, when God answers, can we look together at his power? We need one another to be reminded of this, that God is showing us his power when we are, are, are seeing our weaknesses. We see this in Paul. There's another person I want to learn from in their prayer, a prayer that was not answered the way they requested that person is Jesus. So if you turn away from 2 Corinthians toward the front of your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Near the end of, of Jesus' life here on earth. He's gathered with his disciples. He's walked his disciples through a lot of things. He, he gets to this place of, of, um, of, of saying, I'm, I'm going to go spend some time in prayer. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36. It says, Then Jesus went with them, his disciples, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I'll stop there uh, for the sake of time. But you, you may know that the way this goes, two more times Jesus asks the Father to make his plan work out differently. It's a beautiful um, and challenging way to look at the humanity and divinity of Jesus. He was absolutely human. We can't brush through this and say, oh, of course he's going to pray that because he's God and he knows what's going to go on. And he's human. So he pleads with the Father, is there any other way? Not just once, but three times over. He, he pleads with God, is there any other way? But he's also God. And he knows that the Father has a plan. And so he ends each of those prayers with, not my will, but yours be done. He was so in tune with what the Father willed because he and the Father were one that he's able to pray, not my will, but yours be done. And here's what I think we learn from this. When God answers, however he answers, yes, no, wait, maybe, or not maybe, but not yet. When God answers, his will is revealed. When God answers, his will is revealed revealed. Why is that not working? Can you move forward to the next slide? Thanks, Ron. I just told you what it was, though, so you can just write that down. When God answers, there it is, um, his will is revealed. Jesus prays three times over. And in those prayers, do we see an answer from God? We don't. Um, but we also know enough of what has been predicted to know what, what's going to happen. We also know what comes about because we know the story and we're on this side. We know in, in this case what the will of the, the Father was for the Son. Jesus also knew the will of the Father. That's why he says three times over, not my will but yours be done. When God answers, or in this case is silent, or answers no from what we know of the plan, when God answers, his will is revealed. Do we comprehend that when we pray? That when we're approaching God the Father with prayer, we know that in his response, whatever that is, his will is being revealed and we're seeing it more and more. This is not something that's easy to step into in, in prayer, is it? Ultimately, this is um, where we had to land as a family with our prayers for Ezra. It was hard to pray. Especially hard to pray with Ezra. We prayed with him and for him for healing. We prayed with him and for him for courage. We prayed with him and for him for peace and comfort. But man, it was hard to pray. Not our will, but yours be done, God. extremely difficult to pray when there's absolutely a chance that God's plan is different than ours. A prayer takes an abundance of faith in the God who's over all things, but it's, it's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? The prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done. How can we as a church be growing in, in this, in this prayer? I think the way we grow in this prayer is by seeing the prayers answered that we were taught to pray last week from Paul 
as we grow in our understanding of who God is, as we comprehend more and more the love of God for us in Christ, as we are filled with the fullness of God, I think we grow in these prayers of seeing God's power displayed and a trust of his will being done by growing to know more and more and grow in our affections for God. And so I want to be a praying church, but I I want us to, to acknowledge together that prayer is hard. That it's confusing. Just to say that, say, yes, it's confusing. I don't know what happens when we offer up prayers, and I don't know how God's going to answer, but we stand in the gap with one another, for one another, when, when we're not ready to pray the things that we know ought to be prayed. We need one another as we pray. Prayer can be confusing. We begin to have questions like, why? And those questions can go unanswered. It's also challenging to to pray and pray and pray over and over and over and feel like God is silent and he's not answering or answering differently than than what we would want and continue to trust him in prayer, being satisfied in God's power being revealed and his will being revealed. It's, It's challenging and confusing and we need one another as we move forward in faith in prayer. It's challenging to consider and think and grab onto. There have been many times over the last couple years where I have sat in circles of prayer not praying because I'm confused I don't have words to speak so in those moments just allowing others to pray over me to pray for me to pray the things that I know I ought to be praying but can't bring myself to I I needed other people around me. I've I've sat in many elders meetings where it's very clear that, hey, we're going to sit and pray, and the elders are praying, and it's kind of the silence of like, is he going to pray? And I don't. I needed others to jump in and step in. We're also told in Scripture that in those moments where we don't have words, the Spirit himself groans with intercedings that are too um, complicated for us to comprehend. It it, it goes out from the Spirit. And so we sit in silence. And I think something we can often forget in those moments where we're confused and where we're we're pleading with God, but we don't know where it's going to go, something that we can often forget is this, that the end of prayer is not simply our deliverance from that thing. That's not the end. The end of our prayer is not, hey, I I want to be freed from this or that thing. I I want this to, to, to go my way. The end is nearness to God, that he's with us, that he's near us, that he's with us through his son who's called Emmanuel, that he's God with us, that he's with us through the spirit who the son left and said this is a better helper than I I could be and he's left with us, he's with us. I think of the, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43 when he's speaking to a people who deserve God's punishment for sin and they know that they deserve God's punishment for sin but but God speaks through the prophet in Isaiah 43 verse 1 he says fear not for I have redeemed you I've called you by name you're mine when you pass through the waters I'll be with you And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen, 
God doesn't say through the prophet, I'll protect you from going through any hardship ever, does he? He says, when you do go through that hardship, I'm going to be with you because you're mine. This is what we've got to be remembering as a church family together when we approach God and we trust that his will is going to be carried out and we trust that he's going to show his power and that's going to be revealed. This is what we remember when we pray that God is powerful over everything. And that he's with us he's called us by name, that we're his, that he's redeemed us all through his son, the Holy One of Israel. And so, and so we pray. Prayer can be confusing. It can be challenging. It can put us in a place of not understanding who God is and what he's doing. It can put us in a place of some real frustration at times. We trust that God's with us. And by faith, if you're his, that he's for you and he's walking through these things with you. So this morning what I'd like to do, I told you this several months ago, we're just going to keep getting weirder as a church and so here I am, I'm going to do this. What I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for us, I'd like to pray over us, I'd like to pray for you specifically, um, in the place where you are, if you're in a place where you're, you're asking the question, why, God, why, and you're feeling a sense of silence from him, or if you're in a place of, of just, uh, of pleading with God, but not seeing answers, and confused, and not understanding, and, and, and feel yourself slipping toward doubt some, and I ask you to be vulnerable and just um, stand, recognize that. I ask you to do that now. If that's where you are this morning, I'm going to pray for you, pray over you. Pray for us as a church. Just ask God to be near. Then we're going to move toward um, celebrating what Jesus has already accomplished. God be near. For these friends who have acknowledged where they are presently, God be near. Would there be an overwhelming sense of nearness felt tangibly right now? God be near. For those asking you why, and what seems like silence, God be near, be a comfort, be present. For those wrestling with the answer that they have received, and they don't like it, God, would you be near? For those wrestling with doubt, God be near.
Spirit be present. Comfort. Encourage. Lift our eyes to you. God, would you bolster our faith where that needs to happen, that we would, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus in our weaknesses, that we would know his strength abounds. Would you help? God, would you help us as a church to continue to approach you even in the confusion of prayer? In the struggle of prayer, would you help us as a church to be all in, pleading with you, requesting from you, asking for you to be near and for you to be present and for you to be active and for you to heal and for you to be, be at work restoring and renewing and reviving us? Would you be near, God? need your help and so that's what we're asking just wait open to open hands for you to be near all this we ask in the name of jesus